0: What's up, 26ers? Welcome to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Felicia, and we are making what is now kind of a rare appearance on this show with another installment of Extraordinary Occurrences with Demarcus Adisa.
1: What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, you know, I feel like I'm vitamin D deficient. I feel like I need a little pick me up, but I'm here. I'm black, like, I'm smiling.
0: you are bl- black and blessed. <laughs> well, we could talk a little bit why you might a uh, little bit about why you might feel a uh, vitamin D deficient, considering like you've been out there in the world um on the run for for a bit. but before we get there, like it actually feels like a bit weird to do the show because it's just not a weekly thing mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and some things have come up like, as of late where I have like, oh, it would be good to talk about that. Or somebody I've seen on IG or you know in the news and I was like, oh, it would be great to interview them. But not, I don't feel enough of a desire to change anything right now um, about what we're doing or how we're doing it. But how's it been for you? I know we talked about this a bit in, in that like follow-up about after we made the decision, but now that there's some time and space between us and this show being a weekly episodic show, h- how are you feeling?
1: Um, it's a little weird, not not doing the show, not you know looking for interviews, vetting guests. Not it's it's definitely different. Um, not doing the sh- not doing the show and not interacting um, with people. But the flip side of it is like I feel like that space. You would think things would be a little bit easier, but just new things have moved into the space and the time that um, you know I typically would spend. Working on show things, mm-hmm. um, in regards to like you know, work you know working on projects, um, and just even just planning and personal development stuff. It's still it's not like it. It was like all right, we took this away, and you know, now life is just smooth, right? Um, I feel like we're just as busy, especially moving into uh, you know philanthropy season,
0: <sighs> boy. Don't even get me started on that. But right. it, it is on the agenda uh, to discuss. You know, I think for me, I've had like a similar phenomenon where I don't necessarily feel like, oh, I have a ton of free time. Things are just sort of readjusted. Um, what I will say is that I feel like my sleep schedule is the most normal it's been in four years. Mm. That that I will say, like just so much of the administrative piece of the show uh, and even Sometimes a recording, if it's just us or, or what have you, would fall really to the end of the day. And and what I realized once we stopped is that I was like keeping creatives hours, the creatives hours, but also having <laughs> a very corporate career as well. So those two things together um, just meant for like my sleep always being a bit upside down in addition to struggling with insomnia quite a bit over the last you know couple of years. So for me, that's probably been the The biggest plus of like being able to just kind of wind down earlier without being like, oh, I need to upload this episode or email the editor or do this or write a caption, um, you know, an episode description. Not having those things has allowed for me to get a little bit more sleep, which I appreciate because I've been, I think, better about sort of managing the other things that have slid into this this space. Um, and not allowing it to really keep me up at night, at least very often. So on that front, it has been really great for me. I think my body is really healing itself in a way that it hasn't. It's amazing with just better rest and like getting your water intake right can do for you. Um, in addition to all the other things that I'm doing. So that has been really great As as if people watch my stories and all that, they know that Health and wellness has been a significant focus for me um, now going on almost a year trying to just build better habits and really make sure that, that that self-care is is top of mind. And, you know, you were the person who said, like, maybe it's time to just take a pause on the show before your body makes you take a pause. So for that, that piece has been good. But I would be lying if I said that I didn't miss just the community that we've built, continuing to add to that community on a week to week basis. and. You know, planning and plotting in the same way about this show. We're still planning and plotting, but it's just different. Um, It's in a different form. So, but I hope people are taking this time to like go back and listen. You know, to old episodes and things like that,
1: for sure. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, It it definitely is different because you know, with recording a podcast on a weekly basis, even when we were still doing it, um, you know, five six episodes in a day you know, you're meeting five or six people every month and we've talked about it before. It's kind of crazy interacting with those people because you develop real relationships with people. A lot of these relationships, I mean, we've been at this for a few years that, that you know, we've known people two or three years, but the way you interact with some of these people, is like you've known them for 20 years at this point. Um, um, so I definitely do miss, I'm like you since that I definitely do miss that part. But I feel like, um you know, we make that pivot and we come back, it'll be bigger, better, brighter.
0: Exactly. And people have said to me like, man, this is just so great. I hate that you guys had to just stop. And it's, you know, I keep telling people like, it's not, it's not permanent. You know, it won't stay like this forever, but it was a necessary, um, Scaling back if if I could if I could use those those terms. Just being a skeleton crew and having all the other things that we have to do. And most you know, any any major kind of endeavor creatively is on a seasonal basis. And we didn't do seasons, you know, we just
1: That was her. a season. That was season one. It <laughs> lasted like four years. <laughs> Two hundred
0: twenty something episodes, yeah. in season one, yeah. So you know, I'm, I definitely have my moments,
1: it's like right? The nightly
0: news, <laughs> twenty twenty. I'm Hugh Downs. You remember yeah. Hugh Downs? Is that yeah. before your time? 2020? One twenty twenty. Um, so I'm John Stossel. <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> Longest season ever. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Like the way that I feel that I'm starting to feel better. My mind is. I won't say it's clear. It's clearer. Um, all those things have been good. I met one of my friends for brunch a couple of weeks ago. Like I, already, I don't even know the last time I had done that because my weekends have been so locked up, either with the show or trying to make up for other things after dealing with the show. So um, that's been good. You've now come off the road.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to be away from home for like a month. Um, but, I mean, I, I was in um, Philly. Went to D.C., was in D.C. for a few weeks and was in Vegas for a few weeks um, working these different musical festivals. And that was that could be an entire episode in itself. It's it's interesting, like, you know, seeing different communities um, because each different genre of music has its own specific culture code of ethics, everything, community. And uh, my ears are very black. I don't really listen to anything that's not <laughs> black folks, you know what I mean? Even the white people I listen to are, make black music. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? So that that was definitely interesting. And also, just, you know, if I could be completely transparent, just not being around black folks, like, I was the only black person there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, for a month. So it's just like, at this point, it's been years since I, probably since I was in, it, it hasn't. I haven't experienced anything like that since high school, maybe mm-hmm. or whatever. And even that, we are still coming coming home and going to church, but third going thirty days, and you know, only black folks you see is the people in passing. But you working with a group of people, that's different because you know, it's cultural differences, uh, ideals, differences of opinion, going about things uh, like we were somewhere else. It's like yo, I walked out like, yo, where the washcloths? what you need that for? I was just like, okay. All right. I'll see what type of time y'all on. I'm going to go to the desk and and see if they have that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my experience is I'm always in the minority in most settings. Uh, So I feel that I've learned to adapt, but you bring up an important point, I think, and we didn't discuss addressing this on the show, but just, Buffalo, you know, the things that have happened in the world and definitely um, not minimizing, gosh, that deadly school shooting in in Texas as as well. It's just been trauma on top of trauma. Um, But when that Buffalo shooting happened, I, I don't know about you, but it just impacted me. They all do, but it was something that I couldn't just read an article on or watch a news report on and just shove it to the back of my mind and continue on with my day in the way that I've tried to do and compartmentalize in the past. So being Black in America and being Black in predominantly white spaces in the face of such, you know, of domestic terrorism in that way, it it is much harder to sort of move in and out of those those two worlds as seamlessly as I used to.
1: Yeah, I think I think with everything that's transpired, just I was about to say in the last two years, but really the last 10 years on top of lived experiences, it's like your patience kind of wears thin with certain things you're not. Things don't roll off your back like they used to. You're able to push them out their way. And it's like, I think I'm finally, not to call myself an old man because I'm nowhere near it, but I kind of understand why some old folks used to have the disposition that they had when we were kids. And it would just, you talk to older black people and they'd be like, why are you, you know, why, like, why, <laughs> why are you acting like this? But like, if you live long enough and you experience enough certain things, it just, it gets to a point where you just like... <sighs> Ugh, like I'm trying to find the words um, for but it, but you're not maybe able to bounce back in the same mm-hmm. way or even like hide it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, in the past, when you're younger with certain things, you would say, you know, certain things will happen. You just kind of block it out of your mind and go go to work and do what you needed to do. But those sorts of things seem harder and harder. Um, to do now at least to me personally
0: absolutely um and then when that school shooting happened i, I found myself really reading more of the updates than i normally do just about mm. the 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 absolute failure of, of how that was addressed and neutralizing um you know the i don't even know what to call him at this point the, the terrorist the assassin who had breached the school um through an, a, a door all of it is just been a lot. So that's why I think thinking about those things, the Monday morning moves that I have have been doing were so focused on just the the importance of rest, mm-hmm. recovery, unplugging, setting boundaries. You know all those things where cuz I feel like, you know, we're we're getting to a point where it's just not easy. It's not easy anymore to put on a brave face. And it's you feel more viscerally when you are the minority in any setting. And I think that's why I've just become so passionate, even after just doing a show that's so much about people being able to produce results through all kinds of circumstances. That's great and honorable. But I think that's why I've just been so passionate about encouraging people to put themselves first and doing what they need to do for their own mental, emotional, spiritual, physical well-being.
1: Right. And I think the other piece of it is, and I think we've talked about this several times, is just authenticity and like honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, you... To see something like what happened in Buffalo, which I don't even feel like they—and it, it's no one's fault or whatever—I don't think it's in conspiracy. It, the Buffalo happened, and then what happened in Texas happened right after it. And anytime it's kids, it just—you know—that gets pushed to the forefront. That sticks in media because it's young, it's innocent people. Right. There's a lot of people in this world that are not innocent. You know what I mean, but children always fall in the innocent category. You got kids who are six years old, seven years. They haven't, they haven't even lived yet. They're not even fully developed to even be making an impact on the world. So, but the thing that just, it was like that happened in Buffalo. That was like a terrorist attack for real. Dude wrote a whole manifesto about you know why he did what he did, and it was like here today, going tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. them folks didn't even matter. Um, and it and it, I think that kind of touched me because it's like yo, that could be. That not to say not to downplay anything else that happens, but like that was so uh, that was a targeted attack on my community. I might not be from Buffalo, but I belong to this broader community of Black folks. That can happen anywhere. And to think, to feel for those families, you know, what I mean, those folks wasn't doing anything but minding their business, trying to get food, mm-hmm. um, and to have somebody come in there and do something like that. And not only do it, but live stream it is just like crazy. And I think you know the fallout. Behind that, it's easy for some people to, you know, kind of put a face on, like, oh, we're going to pray and we're going to do this. Um, But I think, you know, what we kind of do always do is have our own honesty. And sometimes, you know, things like that, it's nothing to be said. I, pers- I personally feel like I'm one of those people. If I, if I don't have anything good to say, I'm just not going to speak. Mm-hmm. If I feel like I'm just going through the motions and not be honest, I'm just going to be quiet because there's nothing to add. I feel like... I you might disagree, but sometimes people just be talking just for the sake of talking when things happen. And it's like, yo, I don't have any when things like sometimes when things like that happen, I may not have anything to add to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm still trying to figure out myself. If I'm not even at peace with myself or I can't figure it out what can I say to the next person to make them feel better. So I'd rather just take two steps back and uh remove myself from the conversation and try to figure it out for me. Um, before I can turn around and say, you know, I'm putting a message out there. How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's and I think that's just more I'm in, the, I'm in the space of everybody needs to take care of themselves right? and whatever that means for you, because what is there to be said? I mean, at this point, it's it is a constant, real trauma porn, which is why I have issues with people who on the Internet who try to pass it off as supporting causes and being an activist, but are really engaging in like putting our pain on display for personal notoriety. And I won't name any names, but I, you know, I have very, very strong feelings about that. So, you know, for me, I think people have to create safe space in, in any way that they can. And if that safe space means I can't even talk about this in any great level of detail because I'm still processing my own feelings about it. When these victims look like my aunties and uncles and people that I know personally, I think that's perfectly healthy um, mm. and, and necessary in those those instances. And, and I said it before. I've said it online. I've said it on the show. I'll say it again. Like nothing about the past two plus years have been normal. And it's, we are not designed or equipped to experience this much in such a condensed time frame, and still be expected to just go on like nothing has happened. Um, and, and that's why I just think I'm, I feel very good about in a way that I have never felt before about just doing what's best for me. And whatever that means. And people are either going to get with the program and accept it or keep it moving. And I'm okay either way. Do I still have my moments like anybody else of like, oh, I should be doing X, Y, and Z? I do, but I'm much more cognizant of listening to my my body, listening to my heart, listening to my mind and making decisions accordingly Right. with whatever, you know, that means. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I feel you. I definitely feel you there. Um, And then also, like, you know, this is probably a great segue just to talk about, like, with everything that has transpired, even with Ukraine and all of the stuff and supply chain issues. And now inflation being insanity, you know, just moving at a rate that we haven't seen in decades. It's a lot to contend with.
1: It's a whole lot to contend with.
0: And so people are like particularly our communities are trying to figure out how to survive and not just even in the short term, like, what does this mean if we're, if this economy is here to stay? Um, So I've been thinking about that a lot within a lot of different contexts, of course, Uh, you know, I've been saying for a long time that the middle class is not going to exist at some point. Um, I didn't expect things to get as intense as they, as they have in such a short amount of time. Um, But definitely thinking about that and like, that also, I think, contributes to what I dedicate my time to, what is what I dedicate my money to, what's going to generate a return. Because now more than ever, like that financial security is really, really important.
1: Right. I think, you know, everybody's it, everybody. It's kind of having the conversations, you see the rumbles rumbling about it um, online, in person like everything costs the cost of everything is up. I mean, you try throwing $20 in your gas tank and see what it does, you know what I mean? Um, you know, went to the gas station the other day and filled the car up, it was $75. $75, like that's pickup truck money, right? Like, this is a, that's filling up a Nissan Pathfinder. <laughs> 10 years ago for excursion or something. You know what I mean? That's not the Hummer. Yeah, H2. Hummer. Like, like you get these cars in park because you know that they're dependable and it's not going to cost you that much to put gas in it. It's like, I think we was joking before saying the prices to go out to eat and groceries almost the same thing now. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it, it's crazy, but it's very real. It's like, especially if you're not just eating, you know, just basic meals. Oh, I'm going to bake some chicken. If you're trying a recipe that needs, you know, extra item seasonings you may have. By the time you get all those things, you might spend $40, $50 before you even buy the real groceries that you need for your day-to-day stuff. It's crazy. And, you know, we've lived through these things before. They don't get cleared up in a year or 12 months. It takes time. So I can only imagine. I mean, I'm thinking about myself, but, you know, the decisions people are making, Moving forward to say, okay, how long is this going to last and how are we going to navigate these things? Because I mean, we've seen how many of these and all in just the last 20 years alone. Think about it's around 9 11 time. Think about what, like 08 or whatever. There's been a few times these things have happened and they don't just get cleared up in 12 months or six months. And then also, the prices don't ever go back to normal. They may drop a little bit, but they never drop back down to what they were. So if gas is almost $5 a gallon, that joint probably going to drop to three and they're going to say, this is the new normal because this is just what we do.
0: Right, and I, I'm, I'd be shocked if it even dropped to to three. You know, we were having this conversation in a group last week. My first car, Chevy Cavalier, it took like $11 to fill the tank. Like, I'm kind of aging myself too, but man, I'm just like, we're just living in you yeah, had a track player too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took out the radio and cassette player and put a CD uh changer in there because you know it was the late 90s. so that's what you did back then. You put your CD changer in your in your car and if you had real money, which I did not, you put new speakers in there and all of that.
1: That's back when they had the the uh the CD players. That you could take the face off of them, so nobody would steal it.
0: Yep, I think I definitely had that. Now that now that you said,
1: if you had the real, if you had real money, you got one that had a disc changer.
0: Yeah, I did My first one didn't have um, a disc changer, I, but I, I definitely I, had the pop off.
1: I, I remember your first car. I remember stereo. The, uh, the backlight was like orange. Yep, one of my godfathers
0: bought it for me. Um, Yeah, definitely had that. I remember having the club back in the day when I first went to college to put on the steering wheel.
1: We might need to bring the club back if 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 uh, if gas prices is up and wages ain't going up, people gonna do what they need to do to eat, especially (laughs) in the great state of New Jersey, auto theft capital (laughs) of the world. (laughs) New Jersey Drive. Yeah, about to bring. Wasn't just the movie. Yeah, he about to bring '92 back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's uh I've I've noticed it. Of course we've talked about it in gas, like groceries, but even service providers, like the rate at which people's rates are going up. Like, I mean, I, I might I'm saying Fat Joe was a profit. Cause when you say yesterday's price is not today's price, that is legitimately what legitimately what happened. People's rates changed overnight.
1: This is true. My barber texts me like, oh, what's going on? I ain't talked to you in a minute. How you doing? I'm like, I ain't ducking you. I just been cutting my own hair. I didn't cheat. It's just I've been out of town. He's like, I wasn't talking, you know, I wasn't texting you about that. But I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, you yeah, was probably yeah, thinking like, probably where you been like- at? <laughs> or whatever. But like, hey, like it just to go, you know what I mean? Just to it's not these are not the same haircut and it's not like I'm getting anything complicated, but it's gonna run you about $35, 40 dollars to get a haircut now and that's like on the light side that's before you even give a tip and listen the
0: dollar slice in new york city
1: has gone up 50% like we are
0: we are in some no troubling times
1: no more <laughs> only thing only thing that remain the same is arizona iced tea that's it you know that's their their whole business and
0: costco strategy. hot dogs that's it a dollar slice is now a dollar fifty. I just these are the last and evil days. When I saw that, I was like, okay, we are we are in a different type of time, right now.
1: Used to be able to get two slices at a can of soda for anywhere from two fifty to two seventy five. Not anymore. Not, not anymore.
0: So let me ask you this very important question: Have you inju- adjusted your rates?
1: Oh man, uh, I had somebody hit me up about doing something um, the other day. Uh, just, you know, I don't do a whole lot of graphics anymore, but hit me up. Um, and I gave him the price, and he was like, That's with printing? I was like, No, I ain't hear it back from him. <laughs> Like, no, you handle your own printing. But he was like, No, nah, that's with printing, right? Like, no, no. And there's another rate for re- revisions because it's like people want to, again, take, and I get it. People are always looking for a deal, but like, you're not about to take up three, four hours of my time and not pay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I can't, I, it doesn't make any sense. I can't do it. It's the truth. I can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, taking this, this gig, you know, working these festivals is kind of giving me more, more wiggle room to choose which projects that I work, work on. But like, you know, you see it. I mean, even just working on a show, a lot of stuff is very labor intensive. You know, you may be working on a video that's five minutes, but you may spend 30 hours on it. You know,
0: that's the thing for people who don't who are not in this space, don't realize like creativity is a very small part of content creation, graphic design. It's an important piece, but there's so much technicality to it and there's no shortcuts. You know, no. it's just the work has to be done and it takes time. And if you don't operate and move in
1: this space, you just have no idea. And it takes time to even learn the shortcuts mm-hmm. because a lot of times you're learning on the go. It's like anything else. If You know, you learn how to fix stuff. You run into problems that even you didn't even know you were going to have until they're occurring and you try to think of a way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person doesn't care. They just want what they they're they're paying you to do. So you have to kind of try to figure it out. And then, you know, as time goes on and you become better and things move faster, people don't realize like you're paying for my expertise. You're paying for it not to take 40 hours to do this. Right. And I still don't think it's going to be a while, I think, where it gets to the point where the average person uh, respects creativity in the same way or creatives in the same way they respect somebody that's a lawyer or a doctor or something like that.
0: And people oftentimes, they spend so much money in the long, even more than they needed to because they go try to shortcut. And then when that doesn't work, they circle back.
1: Oh, always. (laughs) Always. Well, you know, they're going to circle back. They're going to hit you with their mind games. Well, such and such... Said he would do it for this much. Go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Five Star. <laughs> thank you, Five Star. God bless. If you have never used
0: Fiverr, you will not get that reference. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> us long time, our, as Fiverr veterans, we know about that. Thank you, Five Star sign off. Um, in any event. So, you know, that that's probably a great place to really shift and talk about <sighs> it's that time again. Community service planning?
1: Yeah. how
0: How is it, June? Can we talk about that for a second?
1: 30. Excuse me. We're already <laughs> halfway through here. I don't even, like, I feel like we, your birthday was the other day.
0: That was just so crazy. I mean, it's the way the months just fly by. And then I, like, looked up and people were texting me, like, oh, community service, what's the plan for this year? And I, I mean, it was, of course, it's on my mind, but I had just... It was one of those like, okay, got to get on that. And then I feel like we looked up and it was like late May and we started to um, put pen to paper and figure it out. I'm taking deep breaths because we know how much this work is and you would think it would get easier every year. The only difference is you just know what to do, but it doesn't get any easier.
1: It doesn't get any easier. Uh, But the difference is uh, what I will say is, you know, having more experience, so you know, like you said, what to do. And then having people around, having more people around in prior years who are willing to jump in the fray and take responsibility and take leads and take charge of things that helps out. But still, you still know it's a big labor and it's a labor of love. Like you're doing this because you want to do it. You're not doing this because at the end, (laughs) you send an invoice to somebody. If anything, it's going to cost you time and money. Every time, time time. and
0: money in, in our case. I mean, and I will say this, like I think people who are visionaries and overachievers and really hard workers, we tend to take on. When we have an idea like this, we're so committed and passionate to the idea that we take on probably more than we need to instead of delegating. And I think this year we've done a better job of sort of having people in place who can be responsible for very specific work streams. Um, which it requires a bit of sort of guidance and help in the beginning because we just know the routine. Um, but I do think as we get closer, we'll feel the the benefits of that um much more. And you know, the big difference this year is we have administrative help. Thank God. So that that is a change that has happened since the last time we we spoke. Whew is bringing on help for many different areas. Even though, as we said, the show has slowed down, there's just so many things that require another set of hands and eyes and just a lot of help. And from my perspective, just personal things that I need help with. We are still working on um a lot of new content separate from the podcast in preparation for some things that I have coming down the pike later in the year, which we will talk about at some point. Uh, but having that person... Who's young and hungry, who can follow with people and remind them what they need to do and get updates and keep things straight and keep the balls, help keep the balls in the air has been like a godsend. I'm definitely like, why? Why didn't I do this sooner? For sure.
1: Because that is a job entirely to yourself and a job that can be be draining. Mm-hmm. Um, just dealing with people, following up on stuff on top of handling your own responsibilities. I'm like, it's no different than going grocery shopping or running errands. You ever go to, have a long list, to-do list, and you got to go to three different stores, stores and shop, and you come home and you don't even want to bring the groceries in. It's like, I, I, all right, that's just like a quarter of the things that I need for the day, but that's what it's like handling administrative work. It's not complicated, but it can be- It is time consuming. T- time consuming. Um, by the time you end up sending all the emails out, making the phone calls, doing the research you need to do. It's Like next thing you look up, four hours of going by. It's like, all right, let me get back to the stuff that pays me. Exactly. exactly. Or what I need to handle in my, my, my personal life.
0: And that's why, you know, the Monday morning move, I did that week about like some people's luxuries might be your necessities and that's okay. Like whatever it takes for your life to tick and your projects to move forward, is just what you need to do. And I'm learning to like not make any apologies for what it takes for me to just get through the day to day. And that may require more than it does for the next man. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I will tell you, I don't think I told you this. People have already started asking me, when's the next commercial coming out? People really live for your host of fun promo ads. They do. So I have people telling me that they're going to hold their donation until they see a video uh, in circulation. Look, I don't know when that's getting done in the midst of everything else we have going on. But people are like really looking forward to what's the level of creativity that DeMarcus is going to add to the promo this
1: year. I don't know, y'all. It's, it's still on the works. Maybe it'll hit me in the 23rd hour.
0: I have no idea. I don't even know what that what that should look like this year, but people are like waiting with bated breath to see what you come up with. And Then also I found out that some people are just waiting to look at you on camera. So you have some fans out there.
1: Hey, y'all can cash at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only fans?
1: Only fans? <laughs> <laughs> Now I got my own site. It's called Only Hands. I just post pictures of my hand.
0: <laughs> in front of a girl, maybe? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, to to the listeners who've been rocking with us, yes, look out for that. And just based on everything we've just talked about with the economy, we are anticipating whew, quite the turnout this year, particularly if we market in the way that we we plan to. So, And because we're going back to the same community, it, it could get real this year. I don't feel nervousness. I don't feel that. I don't feel anxiety. It just feels like, whew. Here it goes. It's about to be a lift. Um, so I'm trying to just ready myself right. for that for sure.
1: That's all. I mean, like I, I know it's gonna get done. As a lifetime procrastinator, I know <laughs> <laughs> I know things are gonna get done. It's just like sometimes it's just even getting past the wall of like getting just to do it. Like, all right, I need to get in the mindset to do this. But I mean, there's no doubt. We always get it done every year. Every single year. Every year, through heartache through actual physical pain, through pandemics, through everything, it gets done. Whether people be, it, it just, it's so many
0: things. But yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I will say like, it, it's a great feeling. Um, but man, bodies, we definitely need bodies this year. That's for sure. I feel like that's the one area that, you know, last year was just such a struggle. So for all of our folks, who are in the the northeast region? You want to come down for a day and help out. Be on the lookout for more information because we will take all the manpower that we can get.
1: He's yeah, just asking for we like the army reserves. just one weekend <laughs> in a month. <laughs> That's all we asking for.
0: But also, you might get drafted up to do more depending yeah, on how things shake shake out. So <laughs> you
1: know, <Just> one weekend <laughs> we are gonna need you for the week. Brother.
0: Keep, keep your keep your calendar open. Um, yeah, you know what's interesting? I'm totally shifting gears, but as we sort of moved to this agenda, I always like think about, oh, should we do a pop culture segment where we're talking about what's going on in the world? And you know what I realized? I just don't care enough. I don't. I don't care enough about what's going on in pop culture to talk about it on this show. A lot.
1: A lot of like the, the thing about... Especially in this day and age, pop culture has always existed, but like social media has made it like 10 times worse. And it's actually a business because some people specialize in pop culture and gossip and forming conversations. This is how they get eyeballs, traffic to their platforms. That is how they monetize it. But, you know, like they used to say back in the day, that old saying, like, what does got to do with the, the price of tea in China? Like people be like, Oh, Nick Cannon having another baby. That's Nick Cannon and them <laughs> women's business. Like if one more person posts about Nick Cannon, why do y'all care? That man got hundreds of millions of dollars. None of these women are yelling. Like that's his bit. That ain't got nothing. It, it doesn't make sense to us normal people. You know what I mean? But we don't have hundreds of million dollars of dollars. We're not a celebrity. We're nothing. It seemed like everybody is happy. So, and, but even if. It doesn't even matter how it seems. Nobody's saying anything, so we don't know what's going on. So it's none of our business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It's clickbait, these content farms. you know, all that other stuff. But I mean, if not talking about those things means that 75 people listen to this episode versus 75,000, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I just, I can't be bothered. I literally can't. I mean, of course, you have conversations in the group chat about things. Somebody brings it up. You know, you offer up your opinion, but I'm just never going to make long posts or reaction videos or whole podcast episodes dedicated to that kind of commentary. And I mean, those who do it, Godspeed, that's your lane. You know, people who call themselves entertainment journalists or whatever, social commentators, it's just not my jam.
1: It does. A lot of stuff doesn't matter. First of all. Second of all, again, you have no you don't know these people. You don't know what's going on. It's so it, it's, it's wild to actually see things transpire with people you know mm-hmm. and have to have the inside scoop and the details and people to fill you in on what's really going on. But then you see the optics online or in public and it's like, yo, this is not nowhere near what you think it is. Right. And this is everyday people. So I can only imagine what it's like to be a celebrity with all this money, all these resources and access, how far off people are half the time it was really going on, you'll never know. It's the truth. Because it's- like, it's like people you know who have split up. And it's like, I can't believe they split up. They seem like the perfect family. But if you know what you know, this has been brewing for like five years. Like, well, like, finally the House of Cards. Yeah, like, this wasn't something, it's just, you know, they're public-facing, they got good PR, like, public-facing, handling, but you'll never know unless you're in that inner circle. So this is like, people are just caught up in people's lives and stories that they don't even understand. But I think that's just what we do in the U.S. We, we, we put, we like living vicariously through celebrities and being celebrity affairs. Is, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like sports, I guess.
0: And I guess for me, having been really on the periphery or the fringes of the entertainment world, particularly in New York, I just know for a fact that a lot of these folks are not interesting in real life. Like they're known for whatever they're known for and they have their brand, but like They're not someone I'm seeking to be in conversation with. Not everybody, but I've met enough vapid people who have like nothing to talk about, um, who have some kind of public persona or notoriety. And so, yeah, it's just not... It's not my thing. It's not my thing at all. I'm
1: here for the memes though.
0: Oh yeah. The memes, <laughs> the Twitter conversations, the comments. I am a human I'm being. I'm here for that. And That's I will hilarious. find levity in all of
1: it. That is the truth. Uh, I'm here for that little that little shot of dopamine that comes from the laughter.
0: Absolutely. There's there are I'm a lot here. of I'm
1: not I'm not above that, y'all.
0: A lot of memes that fly back and forth in my but- chats.
1: I will not be on anybody's social media platform in the comment section writing the essays arguing with people (laughs) that I barely know. Somebody you ain't seen since middle school. Yeah, definitely. No, because Lori Harvey just young doing what she wanted to (laughs) do. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't know, you don't know them people. You don't know them. For all you know, they could have had a contractual agreement. Right. (laughs) Like, hey, we're going to do this for a year. We're going to get hot or whatever. Then we're going to go our separate ways. Because that's how people build a buzz. That stuff does happen. It <laughs>
0: definitely happens. Some of, Sometimes it is very strategic. Actually, I, I won't even argue about things that matter. I'm not arguing about politics on the internet with people. Like
1: I'm not really arguing. I'm not even really talking to people on the internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you do realize it's a public record. Digital footprint. <laughs> digital footprint. Trying to keep that bad boy small, small as possible.
0: And you see the way people pull out tweets from somebody from 2012. Like, yeah, no. Bro. Yeah.
1: And it's so bad because people do that, and they just have folks looking crazy. And on the one side, it's like I get it, man. Your, your opinions may change, you may grow, but like it's just it's always looks bad when people pull out that old tweet and right. say something completely opposite of what you just. You just end up looking crazy on the internet. I don't know. Maybe one day somebody gonna pull a old podcast out of me. They gonna have an audio clip, <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A.
0: I definitely think back to these shows, like. Have we said anything that people can drag out into the public later? I Probably. don't think so. I,
1: well maybe, right? Everybody's if got If you this. talk long enough, you're gonna say something that pissed somebody off. You also have
0: secret content on the internet that people don't really know about. <laughs> See, look at you. This is just dry <laughs> snitch. <laughs> <laughs> dry snitch. <laughs> Listen, the content is hilarious. That's all I'm saying. Uh so is it really dry snitching? If I'm really giving you your props, then yeah. it's just amazing. <laughs> I'm really sad that that went away. It was so good.
1: Man, folks, the problem is folks got it's real jobs. True. <laughs> they got real jobs. And and that's the other thing. It's uh there's other that's mainly why I stay out of a lot of this stuff. You think about just money, right? Like you can say what you want to say, but it comes with a price. Um joking and playing around in people's, you know, perception of you. So I understand, like I, I think I honestly believe like some of the funniest people on the internet you would never know. Like there's people that you know in person who are hilarious, who have the best takes on stuff. They might not be right, but their take is, their perspective is just so different. Well, online, they're just straight line, just- Gotta play the straight man. What straight, straight man, just, and people will never know. Like, this person is hilarious. The messages they send me is hilar- <laughs> hilarious. Gotta just
0: keep it clean on the internet. Ask me how I know. <laughs> you see a side of me that will never see the light of day on I mean on the world wide web.
1: I mean but you I mean, maybe maybe it'll change one day if, if your creative stuff takes over, you know, as your primary source of income. But in the meantime, don't mess the church's money up.
0: Seriously. You know what I think about often? All those group chats I'm in. People if you know, if we blow up, somebody gonna try to sell me out to the national Enquirer. Yeah,
1: I mean <laughs> If it gets to that point where you worried about somebody selling you out to a media outlet, we already got money by then. It don't even matter. (laughs) Let's just hire a PR firm to fix that.
0: Yeah, and I mean any any I think anything that I commentary that I have with say my friends or you, it's stuff that I truly believe and I stand behind, you know, it's right. just to some people may seem inflammatory or, you know, over the top or just the side of you that they're, you know, they're not used to seeing. I don't, it's not anything I think that's really overly scandalous at all. Um, But like you said, it's just this game you have to play where certain things just can't be, can't be out there in the world. You know, I, I'm not,
1: I've been like this my entire life. Mom got on here and said it. You say it all the time. I've been who I am always levity, jokes, this and that. But one thing that I've noticed my entire life, when you have a sense of humor, and you have, the, you like to joke and play, people think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like there's some people that recognize the intelligence. And I think you have to have a certain level of intelligence to have a sense of humor Agree or whatever. A I smart think, sense have, of humor. A smart sense of humor or whatever. I think, uh, I'm not saying that you have to be some sort of genius, but I think there is some intelligence to have, to have an, a smart sense of humor. But People don't recognize that. Some people think you're a clown Mm -hmm. or whatever, like a uh, a joke just because you're playing. Like, oh, no, I said this because I think this is funny. It's not, I don't necessarily believe in it, but some people can't deviate between the two. But one thing that I learned as an adult, sometimes you can't always show people that because they just think, you know, you're just some silly, goofy ass dudes. And I think that has led me actually in my younger years getting into conflicts with people like actual. Oh, you think I'm playing? Like I'm, yeah, yeah I'm Joe. I'm happy. You know, I'm easy going, happy. But like, don't don't play with me.
0: And <laughs> I think yeah, culturally, <laughs> black people operate in those two extremes. And right. I think that that's for two reasons. One, we just find levity as a coping mechanism. Right. Otherwise, when you think about what we have been through and continue to go through, you literally might go crazy. And also I think part of it too is for a lot of us, you inherently know how to disarm people right? because you've grown up in spaces where you've had to. Uh, so that those are great skills and they work across a lot of different scenarios, how to win friends and influence people. But you are right. When people see that, they think you're just a docile, affable, you know, jovial guy, not realizing there is a whole other side that if a boundary is crossed or you're disrespected,
1: all of that goes right out the window. And uh, and, and like I, I don't that I think you hit the nail right on the head. And That's a lot. I don't I don't think it's just me. It's a lot of people. I I talk to a lot of people who are like myself, black men who are like like don't. Don't get too comfortable. And then I understand why there's that factional of black folks, especially like in professional environments that don't say or do anything outside of work. Like if it don't fall in the boundaries of like work, they're like, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the sake of P, I'm not even playing that game. I ain't even disarm you. I'm just gonna stay over here. And I think you kind of you've talked about this before, and you talked about possibly fleshing it out um, about you know how to how to authentically be yourself, but navigate these spaces. But there's a political game that are that's involved in these spaces that can hinder you if you're not if you're not open. Um, I've experienced it firsthand when you go to work. Like I'm not I'm not playing with y'all in here. I'm just gonna come in and do what I need to do and get keep it moving. and now, That that works in some places, but depending on what your job title is, depending on what your skill is, depending on what industry, that attitude, it may help you keep a job, but it's not going to advance you.
0: No, I get, there are certain roles. I really can't even think of one off the top of my head right now where that would fly.
1: You go in, you do your thing. If you like IT, cybersecurity, right. like you have a very rare skill. It doesn't matter how you are. As long as you're not disrespecting nobody, if you do the job well, they're going to hire you. That is the truth.
0: You. But then you also have to look at your own aspirations right. because if you're in cyber IT and your goal is to be an executive, those skills come right back into right. play. So, so it's about you know what you want. And I, coincidentally, as um, we've been fleshing out this other content and sort of taking in ideas and working with the new admin on what to put out there. A lot of what she's put forth is around this exact thing. And, um, you know, I, I am thinking about that. I'm thinking about this conversation. She's trying to get me on TikTok. (laughs) I I don't know how I feel about that, but, um, the questions that she posed are like right around this exact issue. And I'm like, am I ready to have this conversation publicly? Like, I'm ready to educate and give the information to the people who need it. But it also involves having a very honest conversation to some of those dynamics in those places. Right. And and so we need the information. But also we know that other ears are listening. And other Don't
1: mess, are- <laughs> Don't mess up the church's so money. Don't mess up the church's money. It's
0: a line. But, I, I, you know, when people come to me and they're in their 20s and they're like or their early 30s and I'm like, they, they say to me, I'm doing all the work. I'm busting my, you know, my hump. I'm working more hours than to, than everybody. And it's not clicking for me. You know, it's gotten to the point where I'm very honest with them. Like that is all great. If you think that's going to be enough to get you the money and the title that you want, you are sadly mistaken. The reality of it is people get promoted based on like ability, those soft skills. Are you somebody they want to have a glass of wine or a drink with? Are they are you? Somebody they want to go through economic downturn with company growth, all of those things, and you are not gonna get it. I know why we do it. It's a a protective measure, and also we've to get to any level of success, you've had to work so hard. You feel like you should just be judged on merit and merit alone, and unfortunately, there is a whole other aspect, and it's even more important for us to do it because we are not gonna fail up. That's not exactly. happening. Many of us, not all, but many of us don't have the Rolodex to open the door to the next opportunity um, that's going to give us the better pay and the better title just because we know the right people and somebody can make a phone call. It happens. It's happened in my career. But more often than not, we have to we have to implement all these other pieces um, as well to make those things happen. And so I've been trying to put people on on game. Like when they come, like I've done all this stuff and they're not doing anything for me. I'm not getting anything extra. I'm like, oh no, if this is, as you always say, this is chess, not checkers. It is. That's that's not enough. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it in a way <laughs> where you give the information.
1: There's a way to do it. We're going to name it right now. It's cultural intelligence. That's
0: good. That's, it, that's like, really good.
1: It, because like... Because I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, like a lot of times people try to boil things down to race, but a lot of times it's a class thing too. Absolutely, because well, you know what I mean. I can we I can speak on it because, and you can speak on it as well because we've dwe- we've dwelled in different spaces where that class aspect really comes into play. Going to, growing up where we grew up in New Jersey, you know, you go to school mostly working class white folks. Working class white people on the Jersey Shore are different from the people. Who own summer homes on the Jersey Shore? Those are two distinct, different groups of people, and the only time they come together is when. <laughs> I'm not even. <laughs> but like, they're very. There's a very. Those are very specific groups of people that might not even get along like that. And a person who's working class may have a difficult time. Being in a space with upper crust, upper class people, because there's certain nuances, things that they're not catching on to. They have to be brought up to speed Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just when you're black, you're working with a lot of times a class, you're working from a deficit in the class. Part culturally, and then there's just racial differences or whatever. So it's just an extra layer.
0: Absolutely, but
1: it exists for everybody. It, somebody first generation American from another country, raised in an immigrant home. There's going to be a bunch of things that they don't understand, unless you socialize and groom you have somebody that put the arm around you and kind of guide you.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I remember like. To a lesser degree in high school, I was just so involved in so many things, but I did. It started in high school, all those different programs I had done. It was the first time where I saw the class divide in the reverse, like Mm -hmm. black people who grew up on Martha's Vineyard or in Jack and Jill pulling up to some Saturday high school program in their Lexus that they drive. Um, and it's always interesting as I've moved throughout my career, um, When those, when those folks are faced with the realities of being Black first. And the class and the way they've been groomed has helped, obviously, and it's opened doors and their parents do have a certain Rolodex, but at the end of the day, (laughs) you are still Black. So you may know how to navigate those spaces, but still experience racism or microaggressions or what you feel are barriers to elevation in your career just by virtue of being Black. There's just so many different dynamics at play, but when you are at that intersection of race in class and both of those boxes are left unchecked, it's, you, you know, it's, you need a different level of mentorship. You diff- need a different level of strategy to be, not only just to be successful, but to be successful in those places with your mental health and tech. Because that's the whole, I know a lot right. of people who are successful in circling the drain every day. And I, I just... I think more open and honest conversations are happening about it now, um, in in light of the civil unrest that happened uh, after George Floyd's murder and things like that. There are more difficult conversations. I mean, you know, I brought in Sean Rochester to speak about the black tax and and how uh, structural inequality has has happened from generation to generation and compounded with respect to our ability to generate wealth, and it was mind opening for a lot of people to see in black and white, the impact of um, segregation, you know, and just Homestead Act, all these things we can go on and on and on from slavery to, to literally today. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. This is not people, when people are like, get over it. It's like, we're not being sprayed with hoses. People aren't taking dogs on us in a civil rights march, but there are very real effects that impact people's ability to generate wealth their ability to climb the ladder at their jobs. There are all these things that we are still on on our back heels trying to navigate and catch up on that are very real inhibitors to success long term.
1: Right. And it's like you the, the, all these inhibitors are there. It's like if there was a race and it was a, your lane, it's like a track and your lane has all this junk in it. Like everybody else is just running, but you don't even have the gear. You got on one shoe. You know what I mean? It's like potholes and sandbags and a car parked in your lane on the track. And people are like, "Yo, why you ain't running as fast as everybody else?" Like, first of all, they made me start from the locker room. <laughs> By the time I got to the track, I, you know, I had to hurdle over a Honda. Like, this is not fair. Like, that's that's really. What it is and I and I think you know we talk about it a lot and I've, I've said it to people in my circle it's like you, you have these one-on-one conversations with people and they tell you what everything they de- they're dealing with and but they're still finding a way they're still pushing forward somehow but they feel like they're behind and they're like this isn't necessarily your fault right you know what I mean it just so happens with if you're born in certain positions Uh, uh, born in certain situations, you fall in a certain class of people, group of people, certain communities, like you already got certain things working against you or you have certain disadvantages and you're trying to climb out of it. and You can't even make mistakes. It's like when you make a mistake, Ain't no safety net. You about to fall and hit every rung of the ladder on the way down. Mm-hmm. Then you have to the, roll over, dust yourself off and try to climb back up that ladder. While some people may slip, but there's somebody there to catch you, push you up, redirect you. You're not hitting rock bottom when something happens or whatever. And I think a lot of times people lose like perspective of that. That like certain things are outside of you that you can't even control and you're judging yourself from other people that are not by the standards of other people that are not dealing with the same things that you're dealing with on a day to day basis.
0: Absolutely. And that reminds me, I, I saw some conversation happening on social media around black people who didn't have to struggle. I don't know if you've right. seen this or people mm-hmm. making these videos like, don't hate on me because I didn't have to struggle. My parents paid for me to go to school, all those things. I think that's amazing, right? That is great. Like, kudos to dream. you. That is the dream. <laughs> when I have a family, if and when that happens for me, that's my whole plan, right? I'm working towards that plan now that... My kids can take every, do every extracurricular pay that they want to, right? Anything that requires money, go explore to you figure out what your passion is. Go to whatever school you want to. No, you don't have to work two jobs just to make it work. That is my dream. I think the blind spot for a lot of people, though, who talk about this, not all, but for some of them, is that they talk about it in such a condescending way to... um to other people who look like them, but may have not had the same experience. That's what the issue is. It's like this great divide, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not y'all. Like, I didn't grow up like that. That's the issue.
1: It's the great divide. And then that people will do that and then something will happen. And they looking for that same group of people to rally around them and support them. And it was like, nah, you just said you wasn't one of us (laughs) whatever. So go, go handle that. Like like when they came down on Tiger's head. Or whatever. It's like, nah, bro. You, you, you said you, said you, you weren't one of us, and that's like that's where culture kind of comes into play how you identify with people. Because there's some, there's a lot of people. I mean, you encounter, I encountered them a lot in Georgia, and I would, I would imagine you've encountered them too. Your dealings, like who were raised Jack and Jill, but they are still very well connected to to their family's origins. They know how privileged they are and they don't take any of it for granted. And they know, like, yo, I I have it good, but like, you know, it's because of these things. It ain't because like we're great, this, that, and the other. The universe has aligned, God has blessed My dad made a few right decisions, but I could be like my cousins over here.
0: Right, exactly. That's the the truth. I'm always fine with those. And, you know, I, I always end up in that interesting situation where... Those who fall into the other category, elitist in their in their privilege, assume because of my credentials, that we are the same. And then they get into my story and it's like, oh, actually that's <laughs> I don't wear, you know, I'm not a person who wears my backstory on my sleeve. It's a lot more public now just by virtue of the show, you know, articles, interviews, things like that. But I've never been that person. So I've been, I've run into that a lot of times where people start to talk to me because they think, oh, you, you know, you definitely grew up in this certain kind of family. It's like, I'm two generations off domestic workers. Like literally two generations removed off just having to wear a maid's uniform and, and to reiterate your earlier point, you do have to take a minute and pat yourself on the back and say, look at the the strides that have been made and the progress that has been made in a generation or two generations. It may not feel comparable to your colleagues and friends who didn't start on the same rung, but it is admirable, if not more admirable, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, a, friend, a good friend of the show. I was having a conversation with him. You know, he's, he's, you know, trying to make some things happen for himself, and it's not clicking. He's like, yo, I just don't, you know, you know, I just don't feel like I'm at where I'm supposed to be at. And I was just like, bro, we was born during the same time under similar conditions. You know what I mean? Like, statistically, Mm. we supposed to be locked up. We're supposed to be in prison, bro. Like, you born during a certain period of time, they have the data for it. Your parents is making a certain amount of money. If there was some drug abuse issues in the family, statistically, you know, and especially if you you didn't hit them scores by a certain grade, like, you're supposed to be... Locked up somewhere, dead, and I'm like, you're you're very much alive. No felonies, no nothing, no crazy figuring it out like right. without anybody that ever gave you a blueprint, It's not like you can call mom and dad to give you stuff. You're figuring it out on your own. Like extend yourself that that grace. It's so wild. got, like and I'm not telling him those things because these are the things that I think about. Right. I mean, you you're my actual sister. You were in the house. They was trying to put me on drugs. People telling mom that I wasn't going to be anything like just crazy stuff or whatever. And I have to remind myself, like, here I am X amount of years later. You know, I've been in college about two times, did a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. uh, people probably didn't think that I was going to be doing. Right. Here I am, child and felony free. <laughs> 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 knock on, let me find some wood to knock on. <laughs> you but know, like statistically, like that wasn't you born in the late 80s. That wasn't supposed to happen. Right. It's true.
0: It's true. I, the resilience that it takes, and it really took, I don't know, therapists talking about this as we've sort of dug more into family history and the things that, you know, I have witnessed, we have witnessed, the things that we've experienced. Also origin story that dates back and starting and, and something that's been very enlightening for me having the conversation with her is her asking a lot of questions about like, our grandmother's upbringing? Like, what was your grandparents' upbringing like? And, and sort of walking that down from from the, that point in the family tree until later. And at first, I didn't really understand like why she was going through all of the motions with that. But now in hindsight, I understand she was trying to understand how much trauma had been passed down because it's not just about the your experience and what you witnessed. It's about what your parents and grandparents witnessed and how that informs how they raised you. And create and it creates sort of what your cultural experiences are, what you fear, what you're concerned about, what your defenses are up about, because, you know, these stories and I, and these pathologies, they pass down from generation to generation. So I think we have to we have to give consideration to that as well. It's not just about what you've experienced. It's about what came before you and how it,
1: it influenced how you were raised. I'm I'm chuckling. Not because what you're saying is funny, but I had this very conversation, same conversation with somebody who I was telling them about how, you know, there's some white people out here that don't trust no white folks Mm -hmm. or whatever. And somebody was like, that's racist. I'm like, you don't understand the history. Like people have real stories in their families. People being cheated out of stuff, being fired, people actually dying because... A white person lied on them. Like, this is not like something as far fetched This is based in actual experiences. And sometimes it might not even been them. Might have been a family, friend, somebody right. close. I'm like, you're, you're forgetting like most black people you're encountering or if they're American, their families are from like rural South, like deep South. Like it's actual violence attached to this right. or whatever. So you thinking in present day, but like this is taught to them. And like, this has been taught this in their household. This is law. It's going to take some things for them to break up out of these beliefs. But you looking at these people like they're crazy. Like, no, this was a defense mechanism at some point. It's like um, you ever see that it's floated around the Internet a million times about like they did that experiment. I don't even know if it's a true story about about the monkeys uh, in a ladder. Yes. mm -hmm. About, you know there was like some fruit at the top of the ladder and they would spray anybody who went up to the top of the ladder. And then eventually, you know, they would spray the rest of the monkeys down with water. And like, so every time somebody tried to climb up there, all the monkeys would attack them and stop them or whatever. And eventually they would swap You know, monkeys out and eventually the group inside that cage, none of them were the original bunch. They all did it, but they didn't even know why they Mm -hmm. did it. And it's sort of what you're saying like things happen in family. People have experiences and that guy's how they raise their kids, how they rear their kids, how tell them not to trust anyone or things like that. And a lot of times we're like super critical of people and not. Realizing this is the result of like trauma, generational trauma. People are doing things they don't even know why they're doing, them, but this is what their loved ones and their trusted ones have told them. It's the how truth. They guided them.
0: That I had that eye-opening experience when Nana was in the hospital, and there were questions about whether she was going to have open heart surgery and what the plan was, and and all this this other stuff. And I remember coming home from law school, and much of our Family was in the room and one of the doctors came in to have that conversation at that. At that point, Anna was, you know, awake and alert mm-hmm. in a regular room and all those things. And I remember looking around at our family, who is normally so outspoken and just can be mildly aggressive at times. Some of them are just so self-confident. And I was the only one asking questions and asking very pertinent, directed questions mm-hmm. to the doctor because he wasn't providing enough information, in my opinion. And so it wasn't giving enough information to make an educated decision. And I think in that in that moment, part of it was probably shock for people and stuff like that. But I noticed folks weren't making eye contact and all this other stuff. And obviously it was a very traumatic time. And I remember thinking like, this doesn't even seem like my family. And I wrote it off at the time as just stress, right? Everything that's going on. But then now in hindsight, I'm like, our own family has had very... Traumatic experiences in healthcare, healthcare, specifically, and so you look at you know our grandfather's genera- uh, generation, what his his mother experienced of losing children at birth and. You know, there's being suspicion that it was at the hand of a doctor at one point. Nana's experience in the hospital. And that's why she left, you know, made the decision to leave the South. And God knows whatever else. Whatever right, has else experienced.
1: That, we, that people just don't talk about.
0: Right. And so it's true. It's you realize that it could be that you didn't have the experience. You were not there for it, but you were socialized in that way.
1: <laughs> how many how many of y'all listening grew up in a house where you wasn't able to sleep at anybody's house unless there mm-hmm. was a family member? There was a reason for that. There was a reason for that. And even if it was family, the bitch, if you was a girl, how many women going to be over there? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, they got, uh, they got cousin. So, no, nah, you can't go over there. That was a reason. You didn't know as a kid, but as an adult, you know why. That was a reason. Nobody may have told the story, but there's always, every family has women in it that are like, nope, not my kids. My kids aren't staying over there. I don't know them. Yeah,
0: that's part
1: of the reason why I still only really like to sleep in my own bed. I'm coming home. I don't. I don't care
0: what time of the night it is, I, unless we're like really good friends. I am coming home, and that's how I was socialized.
1: You know, so we wasn't allowed to go over nobody's house unless mom knew. Him. Like, it was like that's you know, so what I feel like. That's why I was always with family, a church family. But it wasn't too many extra people you in their house like that.
0: Yeah. No, I, uh, I almost missed a whole surprise slumber party for myself because of, because of that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my classmates, it was like seventh grade. She literally had to talk to mom because I was like, I'm never, she was trying to make this surprise thing with friends. And mm-hmm. I was like, my mom is not going for that. She just made it sound like, can you come stay at my house? Mm-hmm. And she had to get on the phone like and sell her case. Cause I was like, I didn't know what was going on. She just asked to, to talk to mom, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, I don't know how we got on this subject, but it is, I think it's very timely. Um, and as we talk more about authenticity, I think it's important for us to acknowledge how all of these things do impact how we show up. In the world, be it at work in social settings, whatever, and all of it is not harmful. Honestly, some of it is protective, some of it is necessary. But I think there's a way to balance all of the good that's been passed down to us in terms of how we show up right. in the world, but also evolve for our own betterment and our own advancement.
1: I always like the old saying, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater. It's like, you know, you got a lot of people who believe, like, you know, a lot of these old things that are in place just don't make any sense in 2022. 20, some of them don't, but there's some of the things, some of these things that have been in place that make sense that continue to work that people feel figured out in very tough times right. in this country um, that you have to hold on to or whatever. Um, and I think, I think, um, Shoot, I'm seeing I think we seeing that now. You know what I mean? Some people may disagree, but I think it's a reason why and maybe they're tracking the data different, but, you know, Black, if you think about just black men didn't used to commit suicide at the rate that they're doing it now, but the numbers is going up and it's younger and younger. And it's something traditionally our community hasn't done. Why are we doing it at this rate? Who knows? Maybe it's differences in technology, how people It could be a lot of things, but like, hey, them old timers, they was right about something. They may have been wrong about a few things, um, but they had a few things right.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I thought this was going to be a 35-minute episode and we have like... <laughs> <laughs> really uh, gone down a, a rabbit hole, a great rabbit hole. Though. This is
1: what happened when siblings stuff.
0: This is true. It's just too much history there um, for sure. So listen, I mean, I, I don't think there's anywhere else to go from here. Me either. All I'll say is, you know, the guest situation, but for something that we just can't, we can't put on hold. if somebody like that pops up, we'll do it. But Outside of that, we're gonna to continue to have these conversations. I'm gonna mull over um, how to bring them into micro content more as well. People are asking for it. They're asking me questions, texting suggestions about where to go from here. And so much of it has fallen right smack dab in the middle of what we've been talking about. Authenticity, career moves, all that stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mull it over, um, uh, meditate on it, pray on it, and see what I can come up with um, as well. But in the meantime, listen we are going to try to stick to the two episode a month time frame but as we've mentioned earlier in this episode we are doing what's best for us right now and also still focus on a lot of different things so it's not, not all just dead downtime uh so we're, we're that's what we're aspiring to. Demarcus is about to go back on the road. We'll see how it works. Um, But listen, keep those notifications turned on because when the the episodes do drop, you do not want to miss them. Uh, If you have enjoyed this, still continue to share and tell people about the show. There are 200 plus episodes for them to go back and listen to if they are new to it. And by the time they get caught up, we probably will be doing something new anyway. So (laughs) tell somebody about it. Look out for updates on hosts. I'm sure we'll talk about it again on the show before our big back to school drive. But if you want to support us uh, preemptively or, preact- or proactively, please feel free to drop us a line. And before I sign off, you have anything you want to add, brother?
1: Hey, man, continue to take care of yourselves, man. The best piece of advice I ever got was on an airplane. And they said, if the you know oxygen mask dropped from the ceiling, put yours on before you help someone else.
0: Absolutely. So with that, after you do all those things, you know what to do. Remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er Podcast. I am your host, delicia This episode was produced by DeMarcus Edisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26 ER.